I'm going to start out at Exodus 6, but I want to go through and kind of give some Hebrew words here because it kind of explains the message today. Um, I, I titled it Elementary to University because we start out as in, in the flesh as children. Right. We start out in the spirit as children. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's They're side by side. Okay. As we grow... We grow spiritually. We grow physically. They both have same characteristics. Um, I don't know if I've. Do you have? Do you want paper? No, I have paper. Okay. Um, there's four Greek words uh, that that are different age groups. You got the Napios, the Pation, the Technon, the Weos. And as we grow spiritually, we grow into those age groups, just like we do in the flesh. You've got the Napios, Pation. Technods are your teenagers, and then your weos are your adults. <clears throat> Starting out at Exodus 6, verse 6, it says, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, and the word children here is napios. It refers to a spiritually infant or a spiritual infant. Uh, say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you an Elohim, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your Elohim, which bringeth you from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land concerning that which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give you it for an inheritance, for I am Yahweh. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel of bondage. The word anguish in the Hebrew is kotsir, and it means impatience. A child, an infant, literally is impatient. They have no patience. Okay, they they can't wait to what no matter what it is uh, Sarah and I were just talking this morning about presents they can't wait to have what they what they want they can't wait to get to where they're going they can't they just there's no patience they want it now they want it right here the other word cruel is kasha you guys don't need me to spell it it means heavy or hard and then the word bondage, abada, means labor or work. So they're impatient and they don't want to work hard at it. They don't want to labor in it. We want the benefits of the work, but we don't want to do the work as children. I'm having that issue with Sarah right now. The thing is, as children, though, do they... <clears throat> Do they recognize that they can't have something without work? Well, they don't see that. They just want the benefits. Yeah, yeah. They don't want the you see effort. It, you see it, you want it. Right. All right. Exodus 17. We're going to start at verse 1. <clears throat> and all the congregation, again, here's the word children of Israel, 
journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of Yahweh, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do you tempt Yahweh? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses, and said, Wherefore is this, that thou hast brought us out of the land of Egypt, or out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto Yahweh, saying, What shall I do to this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before you upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel. And, they, and because they tempted Yahweh, saying, Is Yahweh among us or not? The two words here that I want to define... Uh, well, there's actually three, but Mecca is the actual word for Massa, and it means to test. And it's no different than a child testing the patience of a parent. Okay? The second word is Meriba, which means to provoke. Or rebel. My Bible says rebel. Could be, but in in the Hebrew, it's it's to provoke. It could be rebel. It depends on how you how you use it in the sentence. Uh, chiding, the word the the Hebrew word is reb, and it means to be an adversary or oppose. So when we are testing or provoking Yahweh, we literally are opposing him or, or becoming an adversary to him. Okay? When I tell Sarah, and I'm going to use Sarah as an example, when I tell Sarah to, no matter what it is, clean the living room or pick up her clothes or whatever, the moment she starts to test my patience and provoke me to anger, she's opposing me. Oh, yeah. She's becoming an adversary. So they have to be treated differently. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can't just blow up and snap at a child. Oh, but it's so much fun. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> it could be. But you have to treat them with kid gloves. Yeah. Okay. You got to realize where they are in the scale. Right. Right. As as a child grows, they're handled differently. Mm -hmm. Okay. Same thing with a teenager. And and I, I'm going to equate this with the temple. The children of Israel were not allowed in the temple, period. They were not allowed to go into the temple. The only ones that were allowed were the high priests. Mm -hmm. Okay, And there was a reason for that, because the high priests were considered the adults. Okay, As they trained up the child, a child that was consecrated or anointed would then be allowed entrance into the temple. Okay? You have to grow into it. You have to grow into it. Yeah. First Samuel 16. What were we at? Uh, what do you... Where did we finish? Oh, I thought you gave a... a oh, I'm, we're going to First Samuel 16 now. Oh, okay, that's what... Okay. Samuel, what did you say? Samuel. First Samuel. 
for Samuel. 16. Yes. Sixteen, you say? Yes, first same as sixteen. This is the chapter uh, where <clears throat> Saul was given a, a demonic spirit or was possessed by a demonic spirit, and he is calling for... I only have uh, nine in here, not sixteen. First Samuel. Oh, I thought you said First Amos. Why did I hear First Amos? I don't know. Maybe that's where we ought to be. <laughs> Where is she? I don't um, mean, oh, there, there is. Oh, there is down here. <clears throat> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> Can't go that far. I don't know of any more than one Amos. No, me either. But anyway, this is this is a chapter about uh, Saul being possessed by a demonic spirit. And he's calling for the Israelites to send someone to rid him of the spirit. Uh, starting verse 17, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, prudent in manners, and a comely person, and Yahweh is with him. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. There's several things here, just in these two verses, three verses, that... I really want to touch on today because one, the Bethlehemite, a, a Bethlehemite is a person of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is two Hebrew words, which is Beth Lachem, and it literally means the house of bread. Okay, so not only is he from the house of bread, but there's other there's other factors here that come into play when it says that David was favored of Yahweh. Okay. One, he's cunning and playing. In other words, he, he didn't just randomly sing music, play music. He played it in a specific way. Okay? He was a mighty and valiant man. A man of honor is what the word valiant means. He's a man of respect, a man of honor. He's not going to bend the rules for his favor. That's what it means. He's a man of war. He's not afraid to back down. Or he's not afraid. He, he won't back down. He'll stand his ground. He's prudent in matters. The word prudent in the Hebrew <clears throat> means he's able to distinguish right and wrong. So he's able to determine or make a, make a show or a difference between what is right and what is wrong. Mm, that's what we need nowadays. Well, that's that's where America, unfortunately, has gone, is they've confused the two. And it says in Isaiah they would. He is a comely person, and Yahweh is with him. 
But here's another factor. He's also a shepherd. Okay? Mm -hmm. A shepherd has to lead by example. They have to. If they can't live righteously and they can't live right, the sheep won't follow. All right. <clears throat> Psalm 119. Sam. Psalm 119. Starts with a P. Psalm. Back this way. 119. One, one, nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to start down here. Verse 43. And again, this is written by David. This is this is why he was a man after Yahweh's own heart. Starting at verse 43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your judgments. So shall I keep your Torah, or law, continually forever and ever. I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto your commandments, which I have loved, and I will mediate, or sorry, meditate in your statutes. The word meditate is siach in the Hebrew and means to ponder, to commune, or speak of. To ponder, to commune, or to speak of. <clears throat> As a shepherd, um, I didn't go into this verse because there's so many verses to go through. But as a shepherd, a a person who leads by example, if they're going to teach somebody, let's say, in Scripture, they must live the Scripture. They must live the Scripture. Oh, you got to walk it, yeah. you got to walk it to be the example. Okay? Now, while we're going, uh, go to Ephesians 4. Um the old I hate to use the phrase Old Testament because it's not it's not old the Matthew to Malachi or sorry Genesis to Malachi is the elementary teachings it's the foundation teachings of of what we are why we are here what why we believe the scripture all right it is the basic principles of did I say Ephesians 4 Okay. Chapter 4. Uh, it is the basic principles of why we are considered disciples or followers of the Messiah. Alright? It's what makes us become like Him. Alright? We're following his example, so... Right. Because without his example, we got nothing. 
Yeah, we got a book with a lot of words in it. That's about it. But his example shows you how to take those words and apply them in your life so you can walk the walk right. and be an example to others. Right. Now, look at it this way. While you're in elementary school, you learn your basics, your math, your, your biology, uh, geography, history, so on and so forth. When you get into college or university, you are, are learning the advanced forms of math, biology, mm -hmm. history, archaeology, whatever it is. Um, some people will excel in certain areas that others won't. Okay, Some are good at math. I wasn't that great at math. Dad was. Um, some are good at history, some are good at archaeology. I mean, it just depends on what branch or field you're going to go in when you go into university or college. So here in Ephesians 4, Paul is explaining the different branches of college that we are learning. Okay, it's, it's the advanced studies of what we're taught throughout the the Old Testament. Yeah, but you've got to have a good foundation first well, before you can... That's where we're going right here. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Messiah. The word... Sorry. Measure is metron. All right? Which means meted out. It's, it's measured out. He goes right in here and explains what is measured out. The, the word gift is Doria, and it means a gratuity or a reward or payment. So, I, I don't like the way that they put that in the King James because it's not a gift. It's a reward or a payment for works. So, you're, you're given a measure depending on how much effort, how much work you've put in. It doesn't say you don't get grace. It just says you get a measure of grace. So it depends on how much effort you put into the studies, how much effort you put into laying the foundation. That's how much grace is measured out. So then Jane is wrong. She thinks it was all done for her. She doesn't have to do anything. Well, we and won't. She's got to. We won't get into the Jane. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, so it, it's a measurement. It has to be measured out. Okay. Verse 8. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. The word gifts, again, there's, there's two different words used here for the word gifts. There's Doria and then there's Doma. Okay. The word Doma... means an endowment. In other words, it, it, what's another word for endowment? It means to be endued. So something something was given to you in a measure depending on how much effort or work you put in. Okay? Another word here in verse 8 is didami, which means to get, or they put it as gave means to give something with the hand or transference from one to another. 
So it's literally, he's giving you something via his hand. The same thing as we, we offer fellowship or we offer friendship to someone. You walk up, shake their hand. That's what it means. You're giving something via the hand. All right. <clears throat> now we're going to go through and read what these gifts were, or what these domas were. Verse 8. Sorry, I already read 8. Verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things or fill all things. And he gave to some apostles. Mm -hmm. These are the domas. Okay. These are, these are the measures of grace that were given out depending on how much effort or how much work was put into it. Okay. A teacher goes to school, or I should say goes to college for a year or two to learn how to teach others. A evangelist may go to school or go to college for three years to learn how to be an evangelist. A prophet may go to school for four years to learn how to be a prophet, and to learn how to read the scripture, to learn how to forecast events or see into the future. An apostle spends their entire life they 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 donate their entire life to studying and that's why we see the apostles when when Yahshua first called them throughout the rest of their lives they are doing nothing but studying the scripture they gave their lives to it mm -hmm. they died because of it okay He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for what purpose? He says it right in the next verse. To prepare people for the works of service. Right. For the perfecting of the saints. It's to get them. So I'm not I'm not training these girls or teaching these girls basics. Just so when they get out in life, when they're adults, they can just randomly do whatever the crap they want. I'm laying a foundation so that when they get older, they're able to help others. They're able to teach others. Well, they would do whatever they wanted when they're little kids. Right. That's why you've got to correct them while they're early. you got to lay the foundation while it's early. When they get older, they won't depart from it, Scripture says. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. So you lay the foundation when they're young. You have to. All right. Same thing in the spirit. You lay the foundation when, as a spiritual child, because as you grow up into a weos, you need that foundation. That foundation is what's going to guide you and lead you the rest of life. <clears throat> so he gave these gifts, these domas, for the perfecting of the saints, for work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up, the the unification of the body of Messiah. Okay. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Yahweh unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah. Unto the full measure is the way the Greek says it. It's unto the full measure until we become just like he is. That's what it's about. All right. That we 
henceforth, I hate using that because it's not in there, that we be no more napioses. Mm-hmm. And that word napioses, again, is a infant. We should not have that infant mentality. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and the word slight is the Greek word kubia, and it literally means gambling or fraud. I mean, what? What verse are you at? I'm on verse 14. When a teacher, and I'm not using the go- the gifts at this point, I'm using like your, your elementary school teachers, even, even college teachers, high school teachers, they take a gamble. When, when you have a mass group of people, you take a gamble on each individual person because you don't know where they're at spiritually. Okay? The only way you can know that is if, they're, if you're walking with them every day. Because you have to see the way they react, the way they function, the way they, they conduct themselves with other people. You can't do that when you're teaching a mass group. So what you're doing is you're putting the information out there and then you're watching for the results. Right. But you're taking a gamble because Mm -hmm. you don't know if they're taking it to heart or not. Right. Okay. So that's what he's saying. Let's try to avoid that every wind of doctrine. Cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Messiah. For whom the whole body fit jointly together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, there's not a single joint that doesn't supply. Every person supplies something. Whether it be faith, whether it be obedience, whether it be uh, an understanding, the an idea, everybody shares. Everybody supplies. Just like our human body, every joint is necessary. Yeah, and when they're out, you know it. Well, for an example, when you have a hip that's out of place, <laughs> it it makes the rest of the body have to compensate compensate for the lack thereof. Okay, so every joint is necessary. That every joint supplies according to the effectual working. There's that word effectual again. It's just where we get the word energy. Energia is the Greek word. According to the energy in the measure of every part, and there's that word measure again, metron. So it's it's every joint supplies some form or some measure to the body. Even though we we think of the toes or the fingers as minute to the body. They still add some measure. Yeah, let them go out once, and you know, you know. Break a finger. <laughs> You'll know. I mean, every joint supplies the body. Doesn't matter what it is. So, would you say that they might be describing how the church, how Christ is the head of the church? Yeah, every every joint supplies. I mean, every. I don't. I don't care if it's a deacon, if it's a a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle. They all supply. Even the members supply something to that body. 
that's why it's called an ecclesia because an ecclesia is a and it's a, is a I can get my tongue to work. It's an assembly of joints to help move together. Okay, what what does one thing? Well, let me let me put it this way: when a body moves, does it move? Everything's in sync. Well, I was going to say, does does it move? Like when you get up to, let's say, go to the to the kitchen, does your legs go and the rest of your body stay there? No, it's starting to feel like that. <laughs> but they move together. Their job is to move together. Okay, the whole body moves together. They they function together. They, if you're going to let's say bend over on the floor and pick something up, your whole body is working in effect to move to reach for that for that one item. Mm -hmm. The whole body moves. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, allergies. No. But bless you. But the whole body has to move together. It has to move in sync. <laughs> if it's not moving in sync. It, it's out over. right okay the same thing as scripture the reason why well let's go there i didn't have this written down but bless you Hello. john one uh john one oh i thought you meant first john no no john one I thought that was a cow. Same. All right, John one verse one. In the beginning, what was the beginning? Let let's let's. In the beginning was the word. Okay. So what is the beginning? Sorry, what is okay. the beginning? Genesis. We've got Genesis. So this is the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, this this whole thing was the word. This whole thing is the word. All right. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. So he is the beginning and the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So this has to move in sync. Sorry. This has to move in sync. Genesis to Revelation has to move in sync. Well, this is a living word. It is. Okay, so it has to be, which means it, we cannot exclude one joint. We can't take a prophet and say, well, I don't agree with the way he's teaching, so we're going to exclude him. We can't do that. It has to all move in sync. It has to all agree. Okay? Well, that, that's probably why the, uh, uh, the Old Testament, and I don't know how they could possibly take that and throw it out, because all of the New Testament refers back to that. Right. And it, if you don't refer back to it, it kind of don't make no sense. Well, it puts the body out of joint because it can't work that way. First Peter 2. Who did what? First Peter 2. Without the law, we have no apostle, no prophet, no pastor, evangelist, and teacher. Because even under the law... 
and and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But even under the law, we had a hierarchy. I wouldn't say hierarchy. We had a staircase of mm-hmm. ministers. We had the apostles, which was the high priest. We had the priests, which were the prophets. We had judges, which were your evangelists. I mean, you have your your whole there your whole uh, ministry. The only separation, or I should say, the way the way that we see it now is because in the Greek they changed the wording. In the Greek, we call them pastors, teachers, evangelists. Those actually existed in the Old Testament too. They were just called something else. Okay. First Peter two. Starting at 21. For even hereunto were you called. Now remember, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm -hmm. Many are called. This is the purpose why you were called. Because Messiah suffered for us, leaving us what? An example. He left us an example to follow. That you should follow his steps. Who did no sin... So, we're supposed to follow that example, who did no sin. Well, where's the very definition of sin? Genesis to Deuteronomy is the very definition of what sin is. That's the basic foundational principle. So, if I, I tell Sarah, as, a, as an apios... From now on, from this day forward, you're going to clean your room. If you mess it up, you clean it. That is a basic principle that she better take on the rest of her life. Did you hear me? No. That is a principle that she will learn the rest of her life. When she becomes my age and your age, she's going to do that. And that's a principle that has to be installed first. It's part of the foundation. Okay. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The word guile is dolos in the Greek. And it means trickery, deceit, subtlety, or craft. So he, he didn't speak in a means of trying to manipulate. He didn't speak in a means of trying to... Uh, trick somebody into believing something that's not there. He spoke the truth. He was honest. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self, now remember, we're still following the example, okay? Mm -hmm. Who his own self, so does that include us? We're to follow his example. So Mm -hmm. we, we are also supposed to do everything he did. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree when the scripture says, confess your faults one to another, confess your sins one to another. We're doing the same thing. Okay? 
I'm going to use you as an example if you don't care. If Amy comes and tells me something that, let's say she did something to somebody else, not on purpose, but by accident. Probably on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Double tap. Uh, but let's say you did something. When you come to me and tell me that as a, as a form of, I got to get it off my chest, I'm repenting. That is a sin that gets that that I take on. I'm bearing that burden. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in that aspect, I'm I'm taking his example, or I'm becoming his example. That doesn't mean I go blab her her secret to somebody else. I'm taking that on as I, I'm her relief. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin, hamartia, which means trespasses or sins, should live unto righteousness for whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep, you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Okay, so by following his example, we are returning back to the bishop. Okay, the, the, the key word here is soul, suke. He is the bishop of the soul, which means his job is to marismos. His job is to make sure that my soul lines up with the spirit. Yeah, you, okay. don't, you don't want the soul going off this way because right. it's going to... Well, drop the, the spirit's going to go down if you keep going off the road. Right. I could, I could get into it if it would take two or three hours, but Romans 7, that's what Paul was talking about. Mm-hmm. His spirit wanted to do one thing, his flesh wanted to do another. He found when he followed the Torah or the law, his his flesh wanted to follow something else. So he had returned to the bishop to get all that back in sync. Yeah. Okay. And the word bishop is episkopos, which is the Greek word. And it, it literally means an overseer. His job is to oversee or take an oversight. When we take an oversight, it means I I am taking Ryan McGinnis as a whole. I'm going to push him and put him right here. I'm going to look at everything he's done, everything he's doing, and I'm going to start critiquing. I'm going to start judging everything that he's done. That's where I become the bishop of me. That's got to be done first before I can bishop others. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's the hard part. That is the hard part. Because a lot of times you don't see your own fault. Right. First John 2. And I'll end on this one. Starting at verse 3. Hereby we do know. In other words, from, from here we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And again, he is the word. Genesis to Revelation. I uh, was talking to a rabbi one time. He said, well, there was actually 600 and, what do you say, 614 commandments throughout scripture. I said, you really need to go back and study the scripture. Because there's over 3,000 commandments. 
from Genesis to Revelation, there's over 3,000 commandments. The only reason why we have 600 and something was in the, new, was in the uh, Torah portion or the Genesis to Deuteronomy portion. It goes so much farther than that. There's commandments throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, the, the prophets. I mean, you name it. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were still looking. No, I found it. Okay. Verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word, notice he just equated the word to the commandments. Mm-hmm. He that keeps his word, in him verily is the love of Yahweh perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Same thing Peter said. We are to follow his example. Okay? Verse 7, Brethren, I write no new commandments unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm not, I'm not teaching you any new commandments. We have the commandments from the Old Testament. We don't need them. I mean, we don't need to give you anything new. It's all laid out in the foundation. All right? The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. It's still the word. Mm -hmm. The commandment is the word. I think of all the apostles, John was the one that actually spent his his entire waking moment studying the scripture. Because he had an understanding that most of the others did not. He was also the one that was given the book of Revelation. But... He had an, a, a, an understanding that James didn't have, Peter didn't have. That's why he, when he wrote his gospel, was referred to as the beloved disciple. Because he, he understood Yahshua in a way that most people don't. Okay? <clears throat> well, if you don't know a person, you have to study them. Right. And if they're not here, but the word is here, this explains to you who that person really is. Right. Well, and that's that's like the Bible. The Bible explains to us the person that Yahshua was. It does. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, the darkness should be past. If we're following his example, we shouldn't have any darkness in us. Right. And the true light now shines. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother and is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling. That word occasion of stumbling is the Greek word skandalon. Which is where we get the word scandal from. If you love your brother, there won't be any scandal. There's nothing that they could Well, let, let me put it this way. And I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example. I've never done anything to any of the officers I work with. I've never spoken evil of them. 
Well, let me let me let me start. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rephrase that. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't start until after some rumors were spread about me. Oh, okay. And that's when I started. Like I'm, I'm, which I'm at fault. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not, but I had no issue. I'm going to pause this for just a second. That's where we go back to the word scandal. But anyway. <clears throat> Uh, where was I at? Oh, 10. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goes because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So anybody that has hatred within them literally are blind. Okay. Oh, I can verify that. <sighs> not saying blind is in ignorant, dumb, uh, don't know what they're talking about. To some degree, yes, but darkness is one of those things where you do it without realizing you're doing mm -hmm. it. it so so when you call out somebody for doing something, you better make sure you're not doing the same thing. That's why he said, judge not, lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. Don't judge somebody if you're doing the exact same thing they're doing. Well, yeah, you're just as guilty, Isn't then. that taking the plank from your own eye? Exactly. That's why you yeah. judge yourself. You judge yourself first, so you can say, okay, I'm guilty of that. I repent of that. I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. Now let me go to my brother or my sister and say, okay, look, I, I'm guilty of this just as much as you are. Let's see if we can fix this. That's going to somebody in love. It's, it's a lot easier than right. trying to do it yourself. Right. Any questions? Yes, no. Okay. I think it takes some people much longer to get out of the childhood stage because they don't want to look at themselves. No, it does. They don't want to dive in and say, okay, this says I'm supposed to do this. Where am I going wrong? And how do I correct it? And they don't want to admit that they're wrong. Genesis 3. I, I'm going to show you something that took me some time to even understand it, but at the more I read it, the more I've studied it, the more it's like, huh, didn't know I was guilty of that. The natural man, our natural man, is a narcissist. Oh, you got that right. It is a narcissist. The more carnal you are, the more narcissistic you are. And that is true. That That is even scientifically true. Chapter 3, or sorry, chapter... Yeah, chapter 3. Verse 3. But the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, Yahweh has said, you should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, die the death. Go ahead and die. I'm going to show you something. That in your death, Yahweh knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. See, up to this point, they only knew good. 
Mm-hmm. They only knew good. The only thing they knew about the commandment was Yahweh told them, don't touch this. Okay? They didn't see that as wrong. They didn't see it as evil. Until narcissism steps in. They didn't know what evil was. Right. Because they had no understanding of it. All they knew was there was a commandment to do and a commandment to don't. That was it. And they didn't know what the consequences were. Right. Because until, there never been any consequences. Right. Until he showed her something. Mm-hmm. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die or die the death. For he always does. I already read that. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Mm-hmm. This is where she became a narcissist. Mm-hmm. That it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took out the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now the Greek or the Hebrew word here for gave also is natan, which means forced him to take it. It literally is the word command or force. So he, she, in her narcissist, I don't know if you, I know you've dealt with a narcissist. A narcissist does not ask to do things. They demand that it's done this way. And if you don't, something bad's going to happen. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened to her. She demanded that her husband partake of the fruit with her. This is where the narcissism comes in. Mankind naturally is a narcissist, which is why we need a bishop of the soul. I mean, She probably told him that it was, it was good to eat. And it would be good for him if he did it. Probably. He should do it. Right. And that's how narcissists are. I did it, so... Because that's how Satan deceived her, because he is the father of lies and right. deceit and narcissism. Right. He is the narcissist himself. Okay? So our natural man automatically already thinks that it's not walking in darkness. Oh. There's nothing I'm doing wrong. Of course. Everybody else is at fault but me. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, it's them, it's not me. Right. And You're the one to blame. I didn't do it. I just did what you did. did. And it's the hard part yep. for people to recognize. Yep. Okay. Hold your hand there. Well, no reason to hold your hand there. Uh, Romans 8 real quick. And I will end on this. Now, going back to the uh, Romans 8, verse 1. Going back to the following his example. Okay. In, and I'm, I'm going to read this from the King James. In Christ Jesus means we are following his example. When you walk in him, you are following his example. Is everybody clear on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation in other words am I done critiquing myself no I will always till the last breath in me will always critique myself you're going to say it's a lifelong there's no condemnation from others is what that should have read nobody can condemn me because I'm doing already what I'm supposed to be doing I am I am critiquing myself and following in his example does that mean somebody is going to see something that I don't? Absolutely. So I take their criticism and I say, okay, yeah, I could I could be a better person. Yeah, you go back and check. I don't take that as a condemnation. To me, that's a critique. It's needed. Every joint supplies. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Who walk not after the narcissistic flesh, but after the spirit. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the narcissistic flesh, but after the spirit. I know I added a word there, but I'm just trying to emphasize the difference between the flesh and the spirit. For the law of the spirit. Oh, what's the law of the spirit? Genesis to Revelation. That's the law of the spirit. Why did Israel fall? Why did 320,000 Israelites fall in the wilderness in an earthquake? Because they were narcissistic and did not want to follow the word. Does that mean he has to change the commandments? No. <laughs> Yahweh literally said, I will not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's a solid rock. That is a solid. In. Okay. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay. Now we have a different law. The narcissistic law. It's everybody's fault but mine. That's the law of sin and death. Mm-hmm. For what the law could not do. That's that's what the law cannot do. The, the law of sin and death, narcissism, cannot, cannot. It is weak through the narcissistic flesh. Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He had to take on the narcissistic flesh to condemn it. Okay. If we're following Jesus' example, we also are in the narcissistic flesh to condemn it. Okay? Everybody has to, has to do his example. They have to follow his example. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. They that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. The narcissist mind the things that pertain to narcissists. That's all they can see. That's all they can see. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded, and there's that word carnally, sarkikos, which means a follower of the mind, is death. Yes. Okay. Uh, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, if I'm following his example, he's already conquered death. So I don't need to die anymore. I'm alive to righteousness. Mm -hmm. Okay? The carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh. It is not subject to the law. The narcissistic flesh is not subject to this. So it doesn't have to obey this. Is everybody following it? Mm -hmm. Hey, stop. That's why it must needs go through a marismos. It must needs be separated and that's what we're doing as a bishop when I take Ryan and set him out here on the table. I'm splitting his soul and spirit. I'm marismosing. I'm taking this guy out and putting him here. I'm going to go through his entire life and critique every little cotton picking freaking thing he's done. I'm going to throw out the trash, keep the good, put him back in. Marismos complete. 
Then you gotta keep control of them. Right. That's water. The water tank. Okay, any questions? I said I would stop on that. I'm good. Good.